You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Hello, good morning. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Welcome inside the Electric Factory here on a Monday. You already know the drill. You want to get involved with the program? We've got a decade of experience in the NFL. We've got a really good head of hair. We want your reactions here as well, too, on a little bit of a therapy Monday after a uh, tough, disappointing loss for the black and gold. Best way to get involved, as always. Maybe we'll open up the phone lines in the second segment of the show. We'll see. we got our buddy Chris Carter coming up. CC. In about, in about 15 minutes, maybe some phones in the second hour of the show. Uh, but as always, we will take your questions, your comments, your concerns, your reactions if you want to get involved instantly on the Twitter.com on X at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. And Arthur Motes, I mean, this is normally the part where I try and say something funny, where I make light of a situation even after a defeat. Uh, but 30 to 6, partner, I'm uh, I'm not going to come in here and try and put lipstick on that pig, if you will. Um, man, you and I talked a little bit about this on Friday, how I think we were all hopeful. I, I don't even want to say cautiously optimistic because there's an element of caution with cautiously optimistic, right? <laughs> I think we were more than that. I think we were just plain. There's an element of caution associated with Sid. Cautiously, cautiously optimistic. optimistic. <laughs> I think we were optimistic that, okay, first week of the season, San Francisco, tough sledding, didn't go your way. It happens. It's week one. Week two, wasn't a Mona Lisa, but you found a way to win. 
Week three, you took some steps forward. Defense still played really well. Offense put together some drives. You had another explosive play, touchdown. I think we were all optimistic that it's always tough to go on the road back-to-back in the National Football League, without a doubt. And, you know, the Texans are a young team, but they've got an up-and-coming coach. They've got a lot of young talent and some veteran talent on that team as well, too. But I think we all thought, hey, they're going to continue to put it together. We're going to see that linear progression, right? And maybe quite the opposite. A, a tough one to stomach down there yesterday afternoon, deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't ideal. Um, man, I feel like Coach even said that at the end of it, right? Talking about some of the changes and stuff <laughs> like that. As a whole, though, man, it was just a humbling performance. It was a reality check. It was a moment where we got a chance to get more information. And that's all we've been talking about these first four games, is it not? Gathering information. I know it's easy to go, you know, nuclear one way or the other because that's what has been the modus operatus of Steeler Nation plus media these first four games. And that's just the cool thing to do nowadays. Yeah. Social media, everyone's got a platform. Everyone right. wants to skewer somebody. Yeah, so at the end of the day, it's like if you were, you know, just following those voices and stuff like that, then, yeah, you'll probably have a way different feeling, you know, in terms of this team, in terms of, the overall personnel and coaching and direction as a whole. But there are multiple things that continue to be at play that have been at play. And I think it's one of those things that if you're looking to exclusively place blame on one thing, as we've said multiple times this year, you're going to be going about this thing incorrectly and it's not going to give you any comfort that you're looking for. Or might people, give you people are seeking it. Or it might give morning. you something temporarily. But at the end of the day, that temporary comfort is not gonna give you that long term solution that a lot of us are looking for, which is ultimately consistent winning of championships or feeling like we have legitimate opportunities to compete for them. But accountability is important. And realistic expectations for everyone hmm. is also important regardless of one's personal feelings towards players and coaches, whether they be positive or negative. At the end of the day, we know certain things in terms of expectations, realistic, and maybe at times unrealistic. And how we've talked about on multiple occasions as well, when you set those expectations and now they aren't lived up to, if you thought it was supposed to be one thing and you're seeing what you're currently seeing – yeah, you might be feeling like, man, I'm ready to jump off of something that is not going to give me any type of uh, positive outcomes. That's the nice way of putting it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't want to say it as blatantly as I could have. <laughs> but those are some of the things, though, with this team right now that I just feel like just depends on where you're at in terms of how you view them. If you came out of last week's game and you were on the world beaters, we're ready to you know score 30 a game, which we did hear people talk about on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. If we came into this game and it was instantly Kenny Pickett is better than C.J. Stroud and all this other stuff just because of what we saw versus the Raiders, even if what we saw versus the Raiders still had some stuff that made you question the validity of a statement like that, but if that's truly how you felt coming into this game, then, yeah, you're probably heartbroken, crushed. Yeah, you're probably looking at other people trying to point fingers. Maybe it's on this coach. Maybe it's on that play. Maybe it's on this situation. There are multiple people. A lot of that going on this afternoon. Yeah, there are multiple people at fault. Multiple people that had a hand in it. But what I will say, and this will continue to be my messaging until the cows come home, 
we can place blame however we want to place it. And that's fine because I do feel like it's always a pie chart. Everybody that is a part of <laughs> the organization, yeah, we all have Absolutely. a hand in it, without a doubt. Absolutely. But as a former player, I will continue to say this. I continue to place more blame on player than coach because I have never seen a coach come out of that booth or off of that sideline and throw a, play, throw a pass, make a block, rush a passer, or make a tackle. I have never seen it a day in my life. So as easy as it is and as convenient as it is because it kind of makes you feel better about not having to look at maybe your favorite in question, mm-hmm. what was going on? Was it talent? Was it effort? Were you sleeping on the opponent? Those are harder questions to ask. So sometimes it's more convenient and comforting to just say, hey, man, it's on that guy that's up there. Yeah, it has to be on him in the booth because he missed this, though. He had that bad read, and, yeah, he definitely make that block. Now, we're not absolving him because, like I said, it's a pie chart. And when you're in third and fourth and one, and we have seen league-wide the success of just realistically the quarterback sneak. We don't have to get excited. We're not talking about anything else. We know for a fact what Philadelphia has shown and other teams have flirted with it, just nobody has really committed to it like Philadelphia. But whenever there is a third or fourth and short and you choose to do something other than a QB sneak and it's not successful, you are 100% going to be criticized. When we talk Matt Canada criticism, those are the moments that I speak of because that is a coaching decision. That is a mindset. Now, is it justified one way or the other? I can make a case for it. But at the end of the day, the result was unsuccessful. So when the result is unsuccessful and we have a clear example with a very large sample size of a specific style of play that works, mm-hmm. it's very hard to justify it. It's very hard to not look at it and scratch your head a little bit. And those are some of the things with Matt Canada that did pop up in this game. But, like I said, the players are the guys that were out there. And we can go down from our favorite of a favorite to the bottom of the bottoms. And everybody included had a hand in that <laughs> game yesterday. I just want to throw, like I said, y'all know, I, I love my guys. Y'all know that. Pie chart. But as a whole, everybody that took that field yesterday, and when I say everybody with a capital E, everybody, had a hand in that game yesterday looking like how it looked. You don't lose like that if that's not the case, right? You don't lose like that because of one person, because of two or three people. It's a collective effort. And I think you are spot on on that. And unfortunately, I mean, you nailed it. That That's what we do. In, and I'm using air quotes here. Difficult times. It It's barely October. The team is 2-2. Two and two. They're not 0-4. Oh you know, they're, they're a, they, they beat the Ravens this weekend in first they're place. They're back, in first, they're back place. in first place in the division, right? It's, I mean, fun, it's funny how that works. Um, so I'm using difficult times in air yeah. quotes, but everybody wants to do the, the finger pointing thing. They want to attack the guy that they don't like or they perceive as the problem while defending or propping up or making excuses for the, the, the people that they do like yeah. that they don't perceive as the problem. It reminds me, Motsi, you know this, TV show South Park, my favorite TV <laughs> show of all time. There's an episode of South Park, right, where there's like a famine going on, okay? And Randy Marsh, who's one of the characters, yeah. he's like standing up in the town square and he's giving this, you know, empowering speech about yeah. how we got to take action. We Man of the this. people. Man of the people. We got to stick together, right? Yeah. And he goes, we got to stick together. We got to find solutions. Finger pointing gets us nowhere. Steve. 
And I feel like there's a lot of that going on here. We're today. not going to point the fingers, but let me just say, is this person exclusively? Finger pointing gets us nowhere, Canada. Mm-hmm. Finger pointing gets us nowhere, Kenny. Yeah. When you're right, it's a pie. Everyone's got to take a, it's, it's It's not a nice, it's not like apple pie on the 4th of July either. Mm. It's not like pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving mm. or pecan. Okay. It's, uh, it's a pie with nails and mm. chalk and huh. rock salt and a bunch of other nasty stuff. That's an interesting uh, pie. I'm not, interesting. I'm, I'm not trying to take a bite of it, oh. but we're going to analyze it. We're going to break it all down. We've uh, got, what, another hour and 45 minutes here. You know where to get us if you want to get involved. Tweets are rolling in. We will get to your reaction. We're going to go to an earlier break here, though, so that we have plenty of time to catch up with our guy, Chris Carter. Of course, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and Locked on Steelers podcast. Uh, CC always with a keen eye and some observations for us. We'll get into more of uh, the good, the bad, the ugly with Chris Carter. On the other side, you know where to get at us if you want to get involved. Wesley Euler, Arthur Mellitz. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR and 970 ESPN. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. It's Therapy Monday here on the Blitz. You know, I feel like we need a nice brown leather couch, mm-hmm. right? Some some leather-bound books in the background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe like an old school like pipe tobacco, you know, puffing in the room. Okay, okay, okay. Just talk about our feelings. On a difficult Monday here in Western Pennsylvania. Joining us now for commiserations. And as always, I think he does a good job of offering some hope and optimism as well, too. The the, the pastor himself from the from the church? Oh, indeed. Oh our, man. Our friend. We you, need to hit a pastor today. Our friend, your friend, the Chris leader Carter of the free world. Of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, the Locked On Steelers Podcast, regular here on SNR. He's there. He's Can he bless? Can he bless? He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Mama! What's up, Mama. CC? What's up, guys? Glad to be with y'all. I promise to help y'all take off today and not leave y'all stranded. Let's go. Runway somewhere. Oh, take us to church, baby. Take us to church. Preach now. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Let let them cook. Let them cook. Let them cook. Chris, we got a lot of specifics (laughs) that we want to get into, but let me just start here, like maybe with a 30,000 foot view question. More surprised in the performance, I should say the struggles of the offense yesterday, or more surprised about the struggles of the defense yesterday? I got to say it's the defense. I mean, this is a group that I expected the Texans to try to neutralize the edge rushers. And most, I'm sure you've seen this in your film study too, uh, of what we've seen so far. But what, uh, what we saw was the Texans doing a very good job of, of executing on offense to find plays that kind of limited what Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt could do. And that's to be expected. That's the smart play by a coaching staff there. The Steelers do the same thing when they face edge rushers like Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa. The difference is, is that the Steelers defense is expected around that to, to make adjustments and to win in the other spots. Like with the Niners, the Niners were able to win in all their other spots. You saw Fred Warner, you saw Drake Jackson, you saw all these other guys that, yeah, the Steelers did a really good job of limiting Nick Bosa to not being that impactful in the game, but everyone else was. And that's what led to the Niners defense being dominant in that game outside of the Steelers' own offensive issues. Then when it came to the Browns game, uh, the Browns 
weren't able to find as many answers with their with their with the rest of their defense. But again, the Steelers achieved their objective of making sure that Miles Garrett would not be a factor. It was a very similar game plan Texans used. And I think what's most disappointing about this is that in a game where you're seeing double teams and crackdown blocks on the edges, you're seeing them try to find, you know, find ways to say, hey, we're going to force your linebackers and your safeties to fly up and be aggressive and play physical football. And that's exactly what they got Quan Alexander, Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts to do. They weren't they weren't doing it consistently. And especially guys like Keanu Neal, I think you saw flashes here and there, but you need to see more consistency from that group, especially in the run game um, and also the interior defensive line. But that's the biggest thing that I saw about the defense that was surprising was, you know, it, it you know, it's, it's not as much on TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. They were schemed to be limited in the game by the Texans offense and that's okay. But when you do that, the rest of the defense has a real opportunity to take over the game and they just didn't. Well, speaking of the rest of the defense, Let's talk about the secondary because obviously sure. they were um, heavily a part of said situation. What's going on, man? Is it personnel or is it scheme? From your perspective, from my perspective, I think it's it, I think it's personnel that's also limiting the scheme. There's because it's it's a combination of both, right? For one, I've been saying this since the start of the season. I wasn't sure how this would go, but the way Minka Fitzpatrick is being used, listen, he is obviously a talented safety that can play in several different roles and be very good at those roles but he is elite he has been the best best at this job in his role in the secondary and that job is being the center fielding middle safety that can take over the game create turnovers and when you take him out of that role you can replace him with another person who's decent at that role but then you don't get an elite player an elite person at either position you may get a very good player from Mika Fitzpatrick in these other spots but not the elite version of him that is hurt that, that that can hurt an offense and even if teams try to scheme around to avoid him Again, you're you're now forcing them to scheme around T.J. Watt, scheme around Alex Highsmith, and scheme around Minka Fitzpatrick uh, to to avoid him in that spot, and that's where you can force more and more mismatches. And I just I think you know it's an interesting theory that you know you can move him around, but it's it's one that goes against the very thing that's made him successful with the Steelers in his first years with the team. Um, and I think you know it's if if there's an experiment, there's something you see on tape. Okay, give it a shot, but. It hasn't worked so far. He hasn't been the the X factor playmaker that we know he can be. He's a he's a multiple first time All Pro safety, and I think that's led to other problems. You know, I, I think the Steelers won personnel wise and scheme wise. That's one issue that could be that could be addressed. But everyone also can rightfully talk about the cornerbacks. You know, they had a bounce back game against the Raiders with three interceptions, and you know, kind of did their part there. But man, the you know. I, I, I actually I didn't, I didn't put too much of the, the early parts of the game on them against the Texans, but you saw late in the game, the one play Patrick Peterson just gets burned by Nico Collins. It was just like, oh boy, like if that's going to be a thing this year, the Steelers need to find ways to back him up. And then now you're the one scheming around liabilities mm -hmm. that you have to protect. So I, I do think at this point, like I, I've been on the, hey, we can see Joey Porter more train. I think that that train just gets louder and louder each week, especially when, you know, when he was, when he was targeted, he was fine this, this past weekend. So um, just overall, I, I think the few things that, that you need to see personnel change wise is mo more Joey Porter Jr. lining up on the outside and Minkovich Patrick getting back to being just a deep safety. And if you can't find a strong safety, like, uh, 
you know, if, if Demonte KZ and Keanu Neal aren't able to do those other jobs, you need to find someone who can because uh, that's it's. I'd much rather have Minka Fitzpatrick playing that deep safety role and being a lead at it than him being somewhere else and helping there and everyone else kind of being just good at their jobs uh, in you know across the board. I, I really think that that's a big part of what Pitts, uh, the Steelers secondary is going through right now. Chris, uh, another thing that's hampering the defense certainly. I mean, stopping the run continues to be a problem, right? And Absolutely. listen, don't get me wrong. I know it would certainly be a big help if Cam Hayward were healthy, but I don't think the, the return of Big 97 suddenly cures all that ails them there. Is there anything you can point to to help fix that? Well, a few things. One, I think your interior defensive line needs to be more physical game changers. Like they, they need they need to be tasked with, hey, your job is to is is to push and to and to change the line of scrimmage so that the linebackers can go do their job. And the linebackers need to understand their job is to fill the holes, take that take take that part of the game away, and, and trust and trust your re, your reads and your keys there. Um, we haven't seen that enough in the defensive line. I think we've seen more from Keanu Benton in that department. But, you know, DeMarvin Leal, a guy who I've praised a lot, and I think he, deser- he deserves praise for the things he's done well. But I think he's part of the run defense problem right now. He's getting pushed back. He's not being consistent against the run. There's times that he flashes and makes plays. But I think he can do better in that, in, that, in those situations. Um, I, I think that Montrevious Adams, while he, he's a good veteran to keep around, I still maintain my biggest question is where's Braden Fajoko? Because that was a guy who was a pure run stuffer for the Chargers last year and developed a reputation for that. And now he can't get a hat. And listen, like maybe there's something I'm not seeing in practice, but you know, that's that's exactly what he what he did. And this is a team, it'd be different if the Steelers were stuffing the run and just not getting a pass rush up the middle. But it's the opposite. They're able to get the pass rush going in most of their games. They just can't stop the run. So get a run stuffer. Throw him in there. Give him, you know, put him on the nose and just be like, hey, you're operating in uh, in zero and one techniques all game. All we want you to do is is push that center backwards, take on double teams, and make sure that 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 if someone's coming up your gap, you're in the way, and then we can operate around that. And you, you don't have to, you know, have him out there every snap, but having him available for that, I think, would be a big asset to their efforts to plug up the run, the run right now. Um, and then on top of that, it's like so you you're, you're in a game where. You have to. You need. You need your interior defensive line to, to do better in those situations. But you also need your off-ball linebackers and your safeties who are flying around the middle part of the field to address those gaps better. And I think that there's been not some, been some not great run fits this year. Uh, you know, a lot of times for the Steelers, you've seen guys. I think they're still figuring out when, where, when, and where to be. Uh, and sometimes that stuff, that stuff takes time. Takes time. You know, it, it, there's there's a lot of chemistry involved of trusting each other and where the, where you're going to be at different calls. And that stuff, you know, you want to learn. But, uh, you know, you need to be able to do that, especially against a running team like the Texans. Damian Pierce, their running back is not, it was not a dominant performance leading up to that game. And, and truthfully, the Texans didn't run all over the Steelers. They averaged under four yards per carry. But they did enough to balance their offense and give them the looks that they wanted to see. And that's where the Steelers' defense had to rise up was, hey – Take, take it away. Make sure it's a non-factor. Force them into more predictable passing situations, and you'll be able to, you'll be able to control the pace of the game. And then they can't limit T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith as much. But that's not what happened, and I do think it's, it's a mixed bag of, of problems for the Steelers' run defense. They need the interior defensive line to be better up front and to limit what, what, what teams are getting when they run up the middle. And uh, they need their linebackers and safeties to be quicker on the ball and to their gaps to, to limit those plays when they get loose. Love it when you break it down like that, baby. Love it when you do that. And unfortunately, that was just half of 
the issues. Yep. Because we do got to talk about the other side of the ball. Where do you want to start at today, uh, uh, you know, Chaplin? Where, where, where you want to take us to? You, <laughs> do we want to start in the book of Kenny? Are we going to start with the book of protection? Is it a Canada thing? How, how you want to direct us today? We 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 are all here to hear from you, baby. <laughs> well, I'll I'll say this: my biggest problem, everyone, and I, I've said this a lot. I said this on Channel Eleven last night. I said this on the Post Gazette's uh, North Shore Drive podcast, and I said this on the Locked On Steelers podcast, all leading up to this. But my biggest problem with this, with, with what Matt Canada has done as an offensive coordinator, it's not necessarily play calls. I think that's something that people say because they think it's something cool or they, they think it's, oh, it's definitely play calls. That's the thing that they relate to. Uh, there's been a lot of play calls. When you step back and look at all 22, oh, no, that guy was open there. This guy was open there. This play call at least gave them chances you're not to win. Allowed, you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to <laughs> yeah, say exactly. that. You not better stop it. You can't say that. But here's where I think you can have a legitimate criticism of Matt Canada Mm -hmm. is that it's clear that even when those plays are open, the Steelers quarterbacks, whoever they are, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, whatever, they're not sure about when to go to those guys. Mm -hmm. And it's different when it's Ben Roethlisberger or Kirk Cousins or Patrick Mahomes, you know, an established NFL quarterback that should know how to operate in any offense. You know, when you draw plays like that for those kind of guys – they should be able to say, think, okay, I'm reading the field. This is what we're doing. We're going, we're going here. But when you're dealing with a backup quarterback and a second-year quarterback who's still trying to find his feet in the NFL, your job as an offensive coordinator isn't just to draw a place and to put mm-hmm. them in positions to see the whole field. It's also to coach them to say, hey, we call this play. You're looking for this look or this look. And if it's this look, you go to this receiver. If it's this look, you go to this receiver. And mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's none of these, you have these other options. And you have to coach them to be strong and confident in how to go through those go through their reads mm-hmm. and Kenny Pickett's just not doing that right now we've seen flashes of it I think he started this and then this is what's disappointing about the Texans game is against the Browns and the Raiders you saw increasing you know chances of him yeah. doing that because he was doing it more in those games compared to what he did in the Niners games mm-hmm. and th- to see such a drop-off here it you know it dents the progress that Kenny Pickett was making and that's where I think there's a lot of frustration for people so I think when people talk about Matt Canada's play calls, I, I don't think it's necessarily just the structure of the plays because people say, oh, these are, you know, we, we, you know, these are basic plays. Like, you know what? I've seen a lot of those basic plays work mm-hmm. for the Chiefs, work for the Eagles. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, people were talking about, oh, the, the pass to Allen Robinson, that was so stupid. Connor Hayward was open in the back of the end zone. Well, that wasn't a great play call. Well, yeah, it was a flat corner concept. But you know how many touchdowns Pat Mahomes has thrown off a, pla- off a flat corner concept mm-hmm. because teams jumped. Travis Kelsey and the other guys wide open. Like, it like how it like how it looked uh, yesterday when they jumped exactly. up on him in and he was wide open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That 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 kind of stuff happens. And when you draw those opportunities up, those are those are play calls that are giving your quarterback and your offense opportunities to win in those spots. But when they don't take them, that's that is that is in, you know, in that instance, like okay, the player made the mistake. Now, where you come in as a coordinator and as a coach, and this also falls on Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. you have to be able to get your guys to see, hey, this is where we're going in these situations. And when they consistently don't, you then have to ask. Is this person just mentally incapable of processing this in game situations, or do we need to do a better job of conveying that message to mm-hmm. them so that they see it clearly what we're trying to coach them? Because that's something that Mike Thompson even brought up last Tuesday. He said you know, he talked about you know making sure that you put together thorough plans, making sure that those plans have several different options for what teams might try to do to you, but also conveying the message clearly so that our players know what they're trying to do. He said he didn't say in those exact words, but that's what he said. If you like, I think it's like a minute into his opening statement. 
last Tuesday in his press conference. And to me, that is the biggest factor that is lacking right now for the Steelers and their offenses. I don't think these quarterbacks are fully in tune with what they're supposed to do with several different situations, and that includes Kenny Pickett. And that does not, that does not remove Kenny Pickett from any blame here. You know, you know, I, mm-hmm. I know I'm the chaplain. Of, of <laughs> Take us to church now. Take us to church now. But but in this situation, you know he you know, he's making these mistakes. Like for example, as much as it was it was it sucked to see him limp off the field and he got injured in that situation. That that was a play he didn't need to take a sack. He had the play there fourth and one. I know everyone's mad about calling a shotgun pass on fourth and one. And listen, you know if I, if it was me, I probably wouldn't have called that. If I would have handed it to Najee Harris, was bowling people over at that point in the game. But on that play. You had, you had Connor Hayward open underneath, mm-hmm. you had Calvin Austin open over top, mm-hmm. and you had a free rushing lane to get two yards, which is all Kenny Pickett needed to do to move, move the sticks. He takes neither, he runs to his left, and runs right into the defender, who is actually being blocked pretty well mm-hmm. by Broderick Jones. And it's just like in that situation, you, know, you, you, you had three options to convert, and you took none and, and, and handed the game away and got yourself hurt. And that's when I ask, like, man, Kenny Pig, we've seen this guy be a smart quarterback, make deduced decisions that he's gone through. Uh, I've read the defense. I've gone here. I've gone there. We've seen him make those. So for him to not get these, that's where you have to look at coaching and preparation-wise. What do we need to do to get him get this message across to him so that he sees what's going on here as, as we continue to wait what the MRI might say about Kenny Pickett's knee, um, you know, that's going to be a big question for whenever he come back, whether it's a week, you know, this week, the week at the week after the bye, or later in the season, it needs to be, it, it, they need to find a way to get through him. Hey, we know that you're studying film. We need you to see these specific things when we do, when we call these plays. And if the Steelers can do that, I think that helps the offense tremendously because as we saw in the game, and I'll say this, there's a lot. And I said, I tweeted this during the game. Najee Harris was taking that game over. If the Steelers mm-hmm. had anything else going offensively, they get back in that. They get back in that game. You saw what he was doing, and I know this: if that was Jalen Warren taking the game over and Najee Harris fumbling in the backfield the way Jalen Warren was, mm-hmm. people would would be going crazy mm-hmm. about Najee. Oh, he's a, he's not this. He's not that. I didn't hear any credit for Najee Harris for doing a really talk good that talk. job. Talk that in talk. This game. I, I didn't hear anybody saying, "Man." We, you know, we don't. We, we may think that Najee Harris doesn't have it, but mm-hmm. today he has. I didn't hear mm-hmm. none of that, and I thought that was very interesting. But Najee Harris, to me, I, I, I continue to see him fight through what is obvious. I mean, his first big run of the game, he runs into the back of of, of, a, of Darnell Washington, he's getting pushed back, and he's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to make this happen. And to me, when you see that happening, if the passing game just just get going when that's going on, that's what can establish the Steelers' balance that they're looking for on offense. But again. You're not when you can't get the pass game going. Your quarterback's looking to the wrong spots, and again, the offensive line is not devoid of problems. They're they're certainly not winning enough up front. You're going to get just a cluster of issues, and that's what the Steelers' offense is right now. Chris Carter with us here on the Blitz. Judge, uh, he's preaching today, ladies and gentlemen. Now you better hey, pass the collection plate around. That's the second time. That's right. Pat, that, he he deserves two collection plays today. Wins communion. Wins communion. Uh, come on, man. After the third offer, okay. you know what time we okay. on. Just as long as we got that red wine. Okay. Uh, just another minute or two here with CC. Uh, last one I got for you, buddy. Sure. How like how much? There's a lot that ails this offense right now, right? The, just the consistency. Yeah. I think the starts as well too. That we, we we saw again a slow start, rear its ugly head, and, and you're just playing catch up from from the jump. How much of what ails this offense, I think particularly now that you're at least for a couple weeks seemingly going to have to go to a backup quarterback, 
could be fixed just by consistency in the run game. I mean, we we talked about this so much in the offseason, how this was going to be the identity of this team. And, you, you know, you went out and you signed Isaac Sayamalu and you moved up in the first round to take an offensive lineman as well, too. And you've got two capable running backs. I mean, that feels like the most reasonable elixir for this offense to me right now. Is Look to, at you breaking out the SAT words, elixir. To, well, wow. You know, I mean, That's I, I, crazy. Only, only the best and brightest graduate wow. from West Virginia University. We, we, um, we give up 30 on the road to the Texas. You got to break out that word? Man, all right. Salute you then, Mr. Like, elixir. I, I, yeah. I, I, I feel like, Chris, like the old school 80s guy, right? Like, what's wrong with the team? You just got to run the dang ball. Run the dang ball and everything <laughs> else will figure itself out. But I mean, like, there there is some truth to that a little bit right now, is there not? They they do need to be able to run the ball effectively, and that's one thing that was expected to happen with the addition of Isaac Sayomalo and with the drafting of Broderick Jones. And I will say, when Broderick Jones got in there, the run game did seem to start to improve a little yeah. bit, and maybe that's a positive factor that they need to carry with them. Again, we don't know Dan Moore Jr.'s injury situation. We don't know Pat Bryant's, but this is an, an offense that – Despite what we saw in the preseason, there were some really good signs that the passing offense could take flight this year. This is still a team that needs to be balanced. And I think that there's any if, if that's if there's any lesson that we've taken from the first the first four games of the season is that this offense, if they're going to succeed, you cannot totally lean one way or the other. You can't even lean lean heavily on one game or the other when it comes to the run of the pass. You need to be as close to the middle as possible because both sides need to help each other at this point. The, the offensive line is not dominant enough to consistently run the ball every single play and just bully people the way that, you know, Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro would do for, uh, for, for Le'Veon Bell. It's not, it's not like, you know, in the, 20, in the 2016, 2017 Chiefs game where they could just run for 200 yards even when the passing game is pretty much non, non-existent. They're not at that point. But neither is the passing game at the point where in like 2018 when, or when, when Ben Roethlisberger could just throw, throw all over the yard as they, uh, as they deal with you know, James Conner filling in for Le'Veon Bell. This is a point where the Steelers' offense needs to be balanced on both sides so that both sides can help each other out. So, yes, the running game needs to be more effective, but when they are, are more effective, the, that is where the passing game has to start to play off of that. More of the play action plays, and they have to do it earlier in games because the problem is in the third, the, you know, Najee Harris was getting going in the third quarter. By that time, they were down, what, 16 nothing. They need to be getting that going when, they're, when it's 0-0 or 3-0 or 7-0. And, you know, and that doesn't even have to be situations when you're down. It can just simply be, you know, when you, 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 when you get a lead. But it needs to be earlier in the game that gets established so that you can start calling those, those play-action passes and getting that, that balance early. And then you put the defense on its heels and you can dictate the terms of engagement. But if you're not a team that's doing that, if you're the Steelers, you're allowing the other team to set, set up the, the pace of the battle, and that's going to put you behind the eight ball. And we've seen this offense hasn't done great when they're, when they're behind the eight ball this season. Well, I guess it leads us to my final question. The boss man said changes would be coming. Dun, dun, dun. Well, and since I'm talking to you, I'm going to just ask you, man, what change do you think he talking about, baby? <laughs> what, what you think what you, what you think he talking about? What, what, what the boss man talking about? Chris? Huh? Who, what, what, what changes are he, is he speaking of? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I or anyone <laughs> think about changes. At most. In, in all honesty, when I see what I when I see this this Steelers offense and I or the Steelers team really, the changes are still like there are still the fr- the structures in place, the 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 frames in place for the Steelers to to win games. I mean, we saw that in the in the two games that they that they won this year. There is a game plan there that can, that can breed success, but. 
there has to be a better job by these by, by by the coordinators, by the coaches, and by the head coach to be able to get these guys tuned into, hey, this is what the opponents are going to do. This is how we're going to counterbalance that. And if they if they don't do what we think they're going to do, we're going to have these backup plans in place, and that and that that's where the Steelers are going to go. I truly think if the Steelers have any chance moving forward as far as changes, I, you know, I, I'm I'm right with people who say Matt Canada is not going to get openly fired, but there needs to be a you know a big meeting with the Steelers offense. It's like, hey, listen, obviously Matt, Matt Kenny's not seeing what you're talking about here, and we see that there are play calls that should work because you, these plays are drawn up. But we need you to bring the horse to drink the water. And if, and if he's not going to do it, we need to find other people who can, whether that's the offensive line, the running backs. And I don't, and, and I, I don't believe that this team is completely devoid of talent to do so. Uh, you know, so I think that that's where your, your, your biggest change here is maybe that the key is, is the people who, you know, who hold the keys as far as how the meetings are, are, are presented, who's sitting on, you know, on, on what, uh, what the focus is each week. Maybe it needs to be more on, hey, this is how we're going to execute this week. We're gonna we're gonna drill this into you get into you guys until you get it, um, and and maybe limit maybe even limiting the game plans. I know people are talking about you know how the Steelers use the same plays here and there, but Mike Tomlin talked about this. You can't expand the playbook until you execute the basic plays in the playbook. Very if true. You can't execute execute the simple runs. You can't get to the the runs that play off of those runs that make defenders think, whoa, they're really good at this run. We're going to take this one away. Oh, wait, they went the other way. They used the outside zone instead of an inside zone. Oh, man, we're out of position. You can't even get to that if your inside zone doesn't doesn't work. Same thing with passing concepts. You can't get them to bite on certain uh, passing concepts that set up other ones if the if you don't even hit on the basic ones. And maybe that's what the Steelers need on offense right now is to be able to do the basics. Focus on the basic concepts before you even try to get to the complex one. Make those and then I thought that that's what they needed to be able to, to show in the Raiders and Texans game. They started to show it in the Raiders game. They didn't show it at all in the Texans game. If they're moving forward with any success, it needs to be focusing on those basic concepts and, and, you know, say, hey, we have other plans for the future, but we can't even get to them until you do these things right here. Beat the things in front of you. Do take take this take the steps. Walk, crawl before you walk. Walk before you run. And then and then if you do those things, you know, at this part of the season, maybe maybe in the later part of the season, you can start to expand that playbook a bit more. But simplify things up. Get them to understand those parts and win with the defense. And on, on defense, get them back to doing the basic things that you need to do to stop the run. That can be the first step in this Steelers team getting back on the track that we that, that we see that is possible for them to be on. And let the church say amen, 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 amen. Glory, glory. God is good. Now, now we need. An, now we got it. We're gonna do our final offering, and, and we, you know, we got the book. We got the building fund. Okay, just, we got the building fund coming waiting, around that separate. Just waiting okay? for communion. All right. Jeez, Louise. Chris Carter, read his work in the PG. Listen to the Locked On Steelers podcast. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. Partner, thank you for the time. Great stuff as always. Yes, indeed. Uh, We know you're a very busy man, so we appreciate you making some time for us here on a Monday. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. CC, mama, mama. There goes that man. On the other side, we'll close out the first hour, get to some of your reaction, set the stage for hour number two. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, live from the church. Wow. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.
the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All right, final segment here. We got to do a quick reset. We took uh, final segment of this first hour, I should say. Enjoyed conversation with our buddy Chris Carter there. But Motesy, we got some... Bum, 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 breaking news. Yeah, man, we did get a little bit of an update on uh, Kenny Pickett's status. So Ian Rappaport uh, just had this um, released through the NFL's official media account. Um, it says that Kenny Pickett's knee injury on Sunday versus Houston is not likely to be season-ending. There is a focus on evaluating his MCL and meniscus. Mm. And that's all the information said thus far, but that was literally two minutes ago. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, coming from Ian Rappaport, this is right from the NFL's uh, main account and sure, things like sure. that. So, yeah, saying that it's looking like it's not likely to be season-ending, which okay. is good. Which is good. And MCL and meniscus. Not great, all these considered, but better than yeah, ACL. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, obviously not great, but not terrible either. Correct. And, uh, you know, watch this space. What, about 23 hours from now, actually? Yeah. Right here on SNR and 970 ESPN. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin will take the podium. And I would expect an update on Kenny. Uh, yeah. And, not, I mean, it, obviously when it's the quarterback, that's what gets your attention. But Pat Fryermuth as well, too. Dan Moore. Dan Moore Jr. as well, yeah. too. Am I forget? Wasn't there somebody on the defensive side of the football or no? Am I am I, am I missing someone or no? I don't think. Could maybe, have been. Maybe, maybe it was I don't know. Two. I just remember Dan, Pat, yeah. and uh, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously that kind of, you know, it's one thing to lose a game like that. You lose some of your your guys as well, too. We'll be hoping for maybe uh, some good news in that regard from Mike Tomlin in his weekly press conference. Like I said, 23 hours from now right here on SNR and 970 ESPN. One hour in the books, another hour to go when we come back. Got some people on hold, got a bunch of tweets to get to. We will get into your reaction in hour number two of the program. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an ST Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At ST, it's just what we do. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.